economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Cole McRae, producer and undergraduate scholar for the Gordney Institute. With us, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gordney Institute and Wayne Angel Chair of Economics, Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics, and Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordney Professor of Economic Education and Research. All right. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, we're back in action and... Um, I don't think we did it last year, so we thought we'd do it this year, especially with uh, elections coming up and, and other interesting things happening around the world. Uh, some discouraging, some hopefully encouraging, and we thought we would do a prediction episode. So um, that will throw it over to Dr. Clark first to see what he has to do to kind of set the table for us. So Justin, take it away. Well, you've, you've done some setting at the table. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so we usually do a predictions podcast. I actually think we didn't do one last year. And the reason I think we didn't do one last year was um, I know I often insist on doing them. And I was loath to insist on doing it last year because um, usually when we do a predictions episode, we touch on the predictions that we made for the past year and we um, look at our batting average. And I know that my batting average for 2022, um, I think was zero. Uh, I think I got <laughs> every single thing wrong from midterm elections to Bitcoin price. Uh, so I, th I think I predicted that Bitcoin would hit 100K in 2022. It didn't. <laughs> Um, it stayed in its lull. It had its like worst year in many years. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Record lows, actually. <laughs> in 2022, not right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 You were ahead of the game by about a yeah. year, probably. So. Yeah. Um, uh, out of fear that I might be continuing my streak, let me just offer the first prediction I'll make for 2024 is that. Um, I will not be a billionaire at the end of 2024. <laughs> so if my wow. losing streak continues, uh, that's really good news for me. Uh, right. But on the other right. hand, I might at least uh, knock out an easy one. Um, so uh, we could touch on election stuff. 2024 is not only an election year in the U.S., but there's a ton of elections all over. Um, it's uh, There's a bunch of weird stuff going on um, that uh, we could touch on because it seems like um, I think this election is going to be weirder than I was going to say, which includes the elections, uh, of course. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty um, weird. So the kind of uh, rapid. Well, why don't we just why don't we just start? Um, OK, so uh, I'm kind of curious what I want to hear your prediction on Bitcoin. Since you Bitcoin? got early, yeah, this year's um, Bitcoin high. Yeah, um, I don't know, right? I would just look at it this morning because I hadn't checked in like a couple of weeks and it was like 44, 45. Is it up that high? Which is the highest yeah. it's been in a while. So, 45, yeah. Um, yeah, so it could be, we could be 45. Entering, yeah, they, they go in these like three or four year waves usually and it's often based on um, halvings um, when the reward gets halved. Um, mm. So, you know, and everyone's always arguing about whether or not things are priced in or not. And, um, uh, that's it's a whole different discussion, but I'll, I'll make the same prediction I did two years ago, which is I would bet we see over uh, into the six figures this year, which would be a new really? all-time high. Uh, yeah, I mean, the all-time high was 70 right now, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really just saying like we'll hit the all-time high. Um, usually when it passes a previous all-time high, there's a huge knock-on effect uh, because the all -time, previous all-time high is seen as a kind of ceiling. Um, so once it breaks it, um, it kind of shoots up usually and this has happened in the past like six or seven cycles yeah. unfortunately uh, due to some of the speculative nature of it still as people jump on the bandwagon still don't know as much about it i'd like to think it's more on unfounded uh, uh optimism on your part but uh, of all the people i know i would probably trust your bitcoin prediction more than anybody's but uh for whatever that's worth yeah, but I mean, really, that's just saying that it would double this year. And I think the price at least tripled this year in the past year. So um, that yeah. would just say that it's not going to reverse course. And if anything, that the derivative would decrease, right? So, Well, I have uh, my Bitcoin price prediction down to the penny. Oh, yeah. let's hear it. I think Bitcoin is going to be 45000 
uh, dollars or $45,015.90 at some point. No, yeah, and then a year from now is what I think that's going to be. <laughs> you think it'll be right back uh, to because it? that's what the price is now, and I'm not actively buying it, uh, so it must be that I think it's going to be the same. I'm not selling it either. Uh, oh, uh, being the rational actor yeah, that you yeah, are. Yeah. So okay. uh, since I'm not doing anything about it, it's got to be uh, basically in that range. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Forty-five thousand, fifteen dollars. You're deducing your predictions based on your own behavior. Yes, that's right. Way. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if I were predicting it'd be a hundred thousand dollars, I'd be changing things in my uh, bank account right now. So. I guess for listeners who are new, we are not Bitcoin speculators. Uh, those of us who are in it are are long, long. We're in a long position on Bitcoin, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. That uh, we're not here. What, what's the normal disclaimer from these investor people? Not investment. We advised. are not investment advisors, and uh, we to, to take what we say as a grain of salt, something or other like that. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you're listening and you're not buying Bitcoin or selling it, then you agree with me that a year from today, it's going to be $45,000, uh, $45,015.90. All right. Well, good. So we got Bitcoin under our belts now. Well, I know. I think there's another uh, layer to the Bitcoin prediction, which is I think that it's going to be uh, increasingly targeted by regulators this year. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I think I, some. <laughs> Go ahead, Justin. I think some of this has uh, been brewing for the past couple of years, and I, I predict that there's more of a, a regulatory fight about it this year. Um, see, I actually see it calming. I, I think there's going to be a calm before the storm, because I do think that the Federal Reserve is interested in launching some sort of digital currency. And I think even though Bitcoin is sort of a rival to that, they see like the use and adoption of uh, digital currency to be beneficial to them at this point, because it sort of primes the gears. And so I think they're happy, actually, if a lot of people start like managing and using Bitcoin at this point to a certain point, mm. because that gets people used to the idea. Uh, so that way it's not so weird when the U.S. does it. So I do think Justin's right that like within the next, I don't know, five years, we see like a big regulatory firestorm against Bitcoin. You see a lot of the very unstable exchanges shut down because they can't keep up with regulatory compliance, uh, which is probably partly the goal, too, uh, or the ultimate goal. Uh, but I do think in the short term, we have a little bit of breathing room. So that way, the uh, people are used to the idea. I, I think I might disagree with you that uh, I think they might push the digital currency so that because we're at a point where the public is a little naive at how good Bitcoin is at staying away from that, that. And so if they sneak in now, they can come in as the we're the safe alternative yeah, uh, digital currency. And so they might push that a little faster because of the naivety of the of the general public on, on Bitcoin. Because I'm still surprised that people just don't get it with these other, like being able to reproduce the currency. I mean, that, that to me, that's the, the key feature uh, to Bitcoin. And um, the Federal Reserve can print off more digital currency or they, I mean, we're, we're not getting anything out of the deal, but people won't perceive it that way if they don't really understand it. And so I think if they wait longer, then we'll start to have more knowledge about how uh, solid Bitcoin actually is. But it sounds like we're all in agreement <laughs> that we think the Fed might try to do some kind of bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and I, I I do think we'll continue to see a movement towards uh, a digital uh, federal digital currency. Yeah. And we do need to do that today. podcast, which we haven't yet on. We're going to do a podcast specially on digital currency with the United States here. So that'll be forthcoming listeners. So, all right. So anything else to chip away at on Bitcoin or uh, digital currencies in general? Not insofar as, yeah, maybe how they'll tie into some of the other subjects, but I think. Yeah. Do you have anything, so. Justin, to comment on like with, uh, like who was it? Ecuador. Who who adopted it as their currency? Was it Ecuador? El Salvador. El Salvador. And I heard they were jumping in the streets basically with the rebound. Um, anything there with people getting more comfortable since places like El Salvador? Is there isn't there one other country that maybe did Bitcoin too? Uh, possibly. Remember. I'm not. I'm not sure if anybody okay. else did. I know that El Salvador was the big one that made it. Um, you know, the illegal. Uh, legal currency. And um, if you remember, everybody said that that was like this this dumbest thing that Bukele, um, Bukele, Bukele, I never know how to say his name, that he did and that his country was obviously headed for a disaster. And I checked there and I, I think everyone in El Salvador is dead. So um, <laughs> no, they no, seem to be doing great, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They haven't. 
it hasn't fallen apart. Like I said, I saw scenes where they were dancing in the streets essentially once Bitcoin got back to like in the 30s uh, so that they were pretty happy. Yeah, uh, they hold a lot of um, Bitcoin. El Salvador right. does their um, their national uh, bank. So uh, I, you know, I think a lot of merchants in El Salvador just use it, uh, not necessarily to hold, but just. But so but I, even I'm the people sure who even the people who use it, I mean, you have to have it for a little while, right? And so like, there's people out there who had like you know a few like oh, thousandths of a Bitcoin laying around in their digital wallet or whatever that just like multiplied by like four times in value over the last few months. That's got to be kind of nice. Uh, it will be the opposite of nice when the reverse happens, uh, when there's like a, a tank in value. But for now, it's nice for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's happened to a lot of a lot of people in, uh, that I know where they have some lying around and they, oh, I forgot about this. Uh, how much is that worth now? And then they look and it's great. Or sometimes they go, hey, I forgot about that. How much is that worth now? Awesome. Let me try to access it. Oh, I forgot. Uh, yeah. I forgot everything I where I yeah. put it and I forgot all my, um, all my passwords, et cetera. So uh, practice good OPSEC, know where, where your passwords, passwords are, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I think that can transition us into the next topic, which is economy. Uh, I think it's the most natural transition is how the economy is going to look. And you might sense a theme with me here. And it's not just because I'm being an economist. I really do think this. I, I expect the economy will be like pretty decent over the next year for a few reasons. Uh, first, we've got like relatively solid trends. That doesn't mean that those trends will hold. And I actually think at some point we're going to have them fall apart on us. Uh, but I don't think within the next year, because the Fed has breathing room now, uh, and so there's lower inflation rates so they can uh, cut rates again if necessary, which historically I'm sure they have no problem doing. Uh, there's an election coming up. We know historically that presidents can successfully pressure Federal Reserve members into <laughs> doing certain policies as elections approach. Uh, and in general, like even fiscal authorities tend to be and executive agencies a little more loose with spending uh, as we approach an election. And so, uh, the, the listeners, this is called the political business cycle. But because this is an election year, there's a lot of incentive for the economy to be good. So barring some like really powerful crash force like COVID was to Trump, uh, I don't think that we will see any sort of like recession or any sort of downturn in the next uh, year or so. I think they're going to be able to hold it together for 10 months or whatever we have until the election. And yeah, even so far as, sorry. No, as far as the Fed uh, wants not to be partisan, but to remain or to at least be viewed impartially, they would have an incentive to uh, try to defray kind of disasters happening during election yeah. years, because then the election could be blamed on the Fed. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Yeah, which they did with Trump too, right? Trump uh, kind of raised a stink his election year, and you know they they sort of did listen, not at the rate he he always wanted lower rates. He kept like asking for lower, but they cut it pretty low for him. Uh, so yeah, uh, and again, like the Fed can't control the economy. That's the other thing. Like there is power outside the Fed, and at some point, like if people uh, say to themselves, "I don't really trust the Fed's uh, targets or anything like that," then it does kind of all fall apart for them. But I don't see that happening within a year. I think the fundamentals. Uh, are pretty uh, they're they're not long-term stable but they're short-term yeah stable. the fact that we made it through i agree with you uh in general the uh, that we made it through this last year as solid as we did i'd say uh, status quo um we're just going to kind of maintain uh i think there's signs around the world at least in south and central america where i've been traveling argentina and guatemala uh, that they're going to be open for trade and so i don't see uh, any big negative signs around the world in terms of international trade. Uh, we have, you know, a couple of these wars going on, which are unfortunate, mm -hmm. but relatively speaking, as a fraction of GDP, they're ultimately relatively small uh, from, from the economy perspective. Um, now, uh, if, if other things start bubbling up with Iran or other things, but I still don't see that as a major factor that's likely to happen prior to us getting through 24. Yeah. And again, listeners, like you can't take this as gospel because if, if we had done a prediction video or video podcast <laughs> last year, 
uh, I would have said things were going to get bad. Uh, and I would have said that yeah, based on the fact that I would think too. I would think there would be a lot of bad investments going around because rates were, were so pushed so low for so long and we had the inflation kick up. I thought we were going to have really bad uh, crisis. I still think uh, that there's still there's going to be issues uh, from the COVID regime policies. But uh, I'll be honest and all economists will be honest about this is that we don't know exactly what the timing on those sorts of things are. So. I think real estate will remain relatively flat. Um, I thought for a while there, there might be a, a bubble bursting. Again, not that I'm a, a big expert in it, but I keep enough of my ears to the yeah. to it that it, it's probably going to just stay flat. Yeah, um, and not, I've been surprised you know, by that too. Yeah, yeah and that was another thing that I would have been uh, bearish on last year that I'm not any longer. Yeah, so. yeah I'm glad I didn't wait to buy a house. Uh, <laughs> I was think, debating that. Now, rates uh, are coming back down, but you know, I, not enough that it would have been worth it for me to wait. And I was... I was thinking I might time the market by waiting, but uh, yeah, I think that would have been a mistake. I think prices are basically are they are where they are. Justin, do you have some thoughts? Was your plan just to like live in a parking lot with your kids? Uh, actually, just continue to stay in the same house for a little oh, longer. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, this looks like a good spot for a break. I guess as our cliffhanger course, we'll be coming into the potential uh, Trump-Biden battle, and maybe there's other people that'll enter the fray or something, but we've got this big election coming up. So uh, stay tuned for that, listeners, and we'll see where we're at in just a bit. Ottawa University has an exciting new major, PPE, which stands for Philosophy, Politics, and Economics. Each of these fields is interesting in their own right, but they intersect in ways that are important to understand, both individually and for your community. If you find philosophy fascinating, but want to make sure that your study of the subject is practical, if you enjoy economic analysis but want to see how economic laws interact with moral principles, if you are interested in politics but want to explore how economic and ethical realities constrain our political choices, you should consider the PPE program at Ottawa University. This spring, Ottawa University is organizing a PPE League competition of politics, philosophy, and economics. Students in this competition will compete leveraging the ideas of philosophy, politics, and economics in various events. If you're a professor or an advisor of college students and you're interested in your school competing in PPE League this spring, contact Peter, Justin, or Russ today. By 2030, the Gortney Institute will be known for its alumni, supporters, and participants who incorporate economic understanding with their faith in their careers, vocations, communities, and personal lives. We have some great programming going on for high school students. We have an online microeconomics class. Yes, you can earn college credit for $200 by taking an online class. It's affordable, flexible, layered with support. Our new online micro is optimized for you. If you'd like to consider some events for your high school students or that class, please contact Justin, Peter, or Russ today. All right, so we're back, and uh, we need to let Dr. Clark here, our philosopher, uh, talk about any last remaining economy stuff before we run into elections. So uh, what's your outlook? Is it as bullish as Bitcoin for the economy or, or not? No, actually, my, uh, my Bitcoin <laughs> and general economy predictions are usually um, correlated with each other in opposite directions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, I said during the break, like, I just have spooky feelings about the economy. Um, and my sense, some uh, Wilfred Sellers once said that philosophy is about how everything in the widest sense of the term hangs together in the widest sense of the term. Um, and my spooky feeling is that everything seems really fragile right now. And I mean, like everything economically in the widest sense of term of the term and fragile in the widest sense of the term. Like debt, consumer debt seems really high. Um, something that uh, Cole said during the break, um, he mentioned supply chains. And uh, it seems like on time, just on time scheduling. Uh, just in time inventory management. Just in time inventory management with container ships and how, how easily that can be disrupted by things like uh, piracy. Um, these all seem like really like inflection points that are, any one of which could break and have really big downstream effects. So um, I don't have any predictions about anything specific that's going to happen. Also, like the rise of AI and the degree to which just-in-time inventory management is dependent on uh, computer systems, which are easily susceptible to 
um, things like malware attacks. I could see something big happening in any one of those sectors that would be really disruptive. And so I, uh, that's just my spooky feeling that it seems like, boy, it's a dark sail could come over the horizon at any second here. So um, it, I agree with you that we did get through some, you know, I'm not, I would have predicted worse last year, uh, but I don't uh, see our past success as evidence that we've skirted disaster, but maybe just that like we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So that would be my, my, my two cents. It's spooky, but stable. No. <laughs> I, I would agree with stable in the yeah. short term, right? Yeah. If I had to bet on a year for a recession, I would not, like if someone forced me to say, and they said within the next 10 years, predict the recession year, I'd probably say 25 or 26, not 24. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I, 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 I agree. What we've seen is like a, a inherent fragility of a system. And I don't think it's a permanent fragility either. I actually think we can get like things like just in time inventory management figured out enough. I think that's possible. Uh, but we have been alerted to the fact via COVID, but also, you know, plenty of other things that, that, that system, uh, is really good, but also like really, it's like, you know, a, a sand in a circuit or whatever. It can disrupt the whole thing. So, yeah. 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 All right. Who's kicking off election stuff? Then? Trump. Can I missed a couple of questions. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So one is like, who's the Republican front, uh, who's the president on the presidential ticket, yeah. The other is who's the VP on that ticket, which is a very yeah. interesting question, depending on who gets the top slot. Uh, another question is like, do you, is Biden going to be on the VP ticket? And if he's on the VP ticket, is he going to be the one who's sworn in if, if the Democrats win? <laughs> uh, does Biden finish out a uh, second term? Right. Uh, of course, we can't figure that out next year. Yeah. I mean, we could, but uh... stop. <laughs> Yeah, no, these, these are, it's like, it's a good set of questions. And then we can also talk about uh, House and Senate majority too. Yeah. Um, because both, especially the Senate is right on the, actually, I think both of them are right on the line now. Yeah, I like basically 50-50 in both. So my predictions are, I do think it's Trump. I don't see that changing at all. As far as I can tell, the only alternative candidate that has any reasonable percentage of the vote is Nikki Haley. And I don't think that that wing of the Republicans will ever win again, ever. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it's him. Um, there's no one even close at this point. Uh, I don't think any states taking him off the ballot will make a difference. I think eh, for for the primary, which is where it's happens, by the way, at this point, some people get that confused. That no, Trump's not been taken right? off in the general. He's been taken off in the primary. But that will make it if if that happens, the GOP after he wins and all the other states will just say we're not counting this one, whatever, yeah. uh, and put him in anyways. As much as the GOP, I think, would like to be rid of Trump, they know that they can't get rid of him in any obvious way, and that would be too obvious to be like, well, Nikki Haley won on the twenty five states that uh, excluded Trump from the ballot, so I guess she's. I I just don't think that will work for them. I'm eighty percent Trump, so maybe. And Justin, I'd like to hear you if that's true for you. Are we unanimous that it's Trump? I'm eighty percent, which means I would say I, I would predict Trump as the presidential as the, nominee. Yeah, as the nominee. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be Trump. Okay, but, uh, so we all agree on that. Yeah. All right. Vice president is a little harder. Um, I actually think I've seen. I think in the last few weeks, Nikki has been trying to position into that a little more, which has been surprising to me. Trump went really mainstream with his last vice presidential candidate. He yeah. chose the one who the advisors told him to choose, right? People knew it was Mike Pence before it was Mike Pence because political strategists were like, oh, well, the Indiana will really help her or something. Um, I I don't know if Trump goes that route again. I, I feel like he hasn't learned, actually. People think that he has learned, but I feel like he hasn't. Uh, and the, my evidence of that is like that he is he really wants the FBI to be in a building in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, and why? Well, it's because his, his company is like contracting and they want to keep it in D.C. and a, the alternative company is trying to put it out. And it's like it's this very cynical thing with him. I don't think he's learned. I think he'll choose Nikki Haley. Uh, or some like Joni Ernst, some good, not her because she chose uh, DeSantis, but uh, and maybe not Nick either because she spoke meanly. She, he will find a moderate Republican who has not been mean to him and choose that moderate Republican. I'd like to say Vivek. If if Trump has learned, he'll choose Vivek, but I don't think he's learned. So, 
Yeah, that's uh, I, I agree with that almost 100%. Um, the one thing I would say is uh, when you're talking about Nikki, when you're talking about Trump versus Nikki for the top spot, and you said you don't think that wing of the Republicans is going to win again, um, you know, that and you're right, that is how Trump would buy off that wing, right, by finding some but finding Nikki Haley or somebody like her to put in that spot. And that's what he did with Pence. And if he has learned, he picked somebody like Vivek, who has gone out of his way to yeah. not attack Trump during right. the, all of the primary debates and the town halls, et cetera. Um, and has been a very, uh, very strong candidate in things like those town halls and been very good at embarrassing our idiot members of the corporate press um, and kind of showing their true colors. So I, I love that about Vivek. Um that he's so hostile with the press because I think the press deserves um, hostile treatment. Now, this claim that you don't think that that wing of the Republican Party will win again, I, I want to just look at that for a second because I want to go back to Barack Obama's run in in um, in 2008 uh, because the primary in the Democratic Party then was between Hillary and Barack, right? And Hillary was seen as the kind of uh, she supported the Iraq war. Um, she was the establishment sure. friendly Democratic candidate. Yeah. And so it was the choice between this outsider and um, Barack Obama, who vowed to close Guantanamo, restore habeas corpus and get us out of these wars. Right. And uh, Barack Obama won. And people said things like, I don't think that wing of the Democratic Party is going to win again. Um, and who did Barack pick for his vice president? Well, he picked somebody to try to buy off that wing of the party. He yeah. picked, uh, you know, neoconservative friendly Joe Biden, who was, you know, never met a war he didn't like and is um, <laughs> pro-government for his entire life. Um, and so it's really weird. It's very strange that picking this anti-war candidate, Barack Obama, gave us Joe Biden. And had it not given us Joe Biden, it would have given us Hillary Clinton in 2016 right um so i i think that the establishment is like stronger than we think it is sometimes and i so, don't want to dwell too long because i i want to but i will say the one difference is before joe biden uh, was the establishment coming back in barack obama became the establishment himself exactly. uh, where, whereas, yeah. <laughs> whereas whereas trump has not and obama's continued to be the sort of the kingpin of the democratic party uh, and Trump will be the kingpin of the Republican Party as long as he's living, uh, which he is like mid 70s. So that won't be that long. So I will amend that. I think uh, my view that they'll never win again is actually limited to while Trump is living and then kind of all, all bets are off. But I, I sure hope they don't win again. But uh, yeah, other than that, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I would think Nikki Haley. And I don't think the fact that she was snarky back against Trump would matter to Trump. I think he might use that as a plus to say, hey, we made amends and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, some sort of spin that makes him look good with that. As choice. long as she'll kiss the ring in public, then I agree <laughs> that he'll be willing to do that. So, uh, but that does bring us to, do we think, uh, A, do we think Biden will be the nominee? Which I, I think so. I, I think everybody wishes that he wasn't on that side, but I, I it's obvious they don't have, no one else is running. They've pushed out everybody who has tried. Uh, Newsom would be the only person who they could maybe try to finagle in there. But unless Biden dies or something very extreme happens, I don't see them getting out of there. Uh, so I think uh, not only do I think Biden wins the nomination, I think Biden will win re-election, by the way. That's my uh, 20, uh, 24 prediction is that Joe Biden wins the presidential election. Uh, I do not see it happening for Trump. I would vote Trump, Biden, Trump wins. Uh, I think and it's Trump. And you think it's Trump too? All no, right. I think it's Trump Biden. Uh, Trump Biden. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I would bet that Biden is sworn in. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, that's a decent point. Um, yeah, yeah. I to, to me, like uh, Trump. People actually like twenty sixteen was a landslide. It really wasn't that much. Like he won elect in the electoral college by a decent number of votes, but not unprecedented. And the states that he won, he didn't like blow Hillary away in. Like it went until late that night before it was totally confirmed. Now he still won by a comfortable margin, but uh, he again and he lost the popular vote too. Um, and not that that matters in this country it doesn't for making a decision. But the point is, Trump edged out Hillary when he had a lot of energy behind him. 
I have not seen the energy of 2016 Trump since 2016. I didn't see it in 2020, uh, and I haven't seen it in 2024. Uh, there was a lot of uh, meme energy out there about the Trump campaign in 2016. I don't see it right now, and without that, I don't see Trump winning. He barely has <laughs> the meme energy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't think the meme energy has its own power. I think it's a reflection of things, right? It's a reflection of like how energized his base is. Well, the, I just think he's lost. The I energy. am not on the social media Twitter channel like you guys are, so you have a better fit with. Uh thumb on the beat of meme energy than than i do that's for sure i could be wrong too i i i certainly i i come from my angle just i i think uh uh, with biden's let's say weakened position and it as close as it was last time and if if trump can garner some strength through the vp selection i think it'll be really close but i kind of think he's he can edge it out but that's with a, a bunch of wild cards. So, but that's where my gut feeling is. Not much more than that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it'll be any more. It, it's not going to be a blowout on either side. I, I think that's pretty clear too. It's like, it's, it's going to be a marginal victory on either side. A part, um, a part of me thinks that Trump not participating in all the primary stuff is I agree. kind of got this mystique uh, strength to it to some, for yeah. some reason. Like, his people are there just waiting for the big show yeah. when, when it's the big show of Biden versus him. And I just kind of sense that they're just waiting in the wings for that, but we'll find out. I think the big thing is whether he's going to change anybody's hearts that like, I have friends who didn't vote for him because of the way he is. He, let's face it. He hasn't changed that much the way he is, but, okay. uh, and again, if the economy's fairly stable, like yeah. we're predicting, then, you know, it's going to be darn close. I think that does bode well for your two predictions as well. So. Well, I don't have friends, but, uh, I do think, <laughs> uh, um, I think that one of the bigger things is that I don't think that this election is going to be accepted no matter who wins. Um, I think we've just gotten to a place where uh, there is no way that if Trump comes out ahead, um, the left is going to accept it as a, a valid election. And and I I don't think it's going to happen the other way either. Yeah, I, I think you guys that, agree with me on I, that. No, I, 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 no, I think it's an interesting thing. I, just, I can't, How can we not be putting up safeguards and something or other now to bolster people's confidence that it's not i i mean so either way i don't think the issue is whether or not it's rigged actually that that's like the interesting thing is that i don't i think if you put in voter id uh in every single state uh and joe biden wins i think the trump folks will still say that it was stolen and i think uh if trump wins they'll say you know uh, something, something, democracy, uh, voter suppression because of racism or something. Uh, you know, even if we have like voting by phone, I think people will claim that on the other side. And so I think we're at a place where like the claim that elections are fraudulent is based on the distrust of the entire political system. And it's not even based on the election itself anymore. So I, I, I actually think like the United States is in a very odd position where like something is going to give at this point. I, I We talked about maybe doing a whole podcast on what's going on in Maine right now, but I think we are at a very unstable place with respect to our democracy. Like there aren't a whole lot of functioning democracies where every election cycle, the other cycle, the other side claims that you cheated to win. Like <laughs> something's going to have to change uh, or something will change. Like those are our two options. I don't know. Or, or like the, the percentage of the people who think the other side cheated to win. There's always people screaming that. Sure, right? sure. But, yeah. But right. the uh, the percentage of the electorate on either side that thinks that um, is really, really high. And it's not like our, it's not like our um, civil servants are doing anything to uh, diminish that perception either. That's the thing that's so weird. Uh, I do think we should do an entire episode on Maine because I think that's really interesting and I, I don't see how that doesn't backfire. All right. Um, that sounds good. That sounds like next week. Yeah, I think I think we're possibly teetering on the like edge of the end of America as we know it, uh, which is too, too big of a bit based on the main thing, which is too big of a prediction for this episode right now. So we can flesh that out that episode. But I do think that that represents potentially a very serious change in American politics, which could have major ramifications. Uh, and I, I also that think it's good to politics as religion, right? Yeah. Because every time that your 
prediction about what is good and just and has to happen for the march of progress to go forward. Um, if that doesn't happen, then it it has to be the result of evil forces. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's a good enough uh, tee up for our next uh, episode on that. Let's move on to what do you guys want to talk about next? War or uh, sports or? Let's talk about sports. First. All right. Let's lighten the load here. Let's get into bit. some more serious topics <laughs> uh, of sports. So Super Bowl, uh, I'm going to go with 49ers. It's too late now for me to turn Rock the court. Iowa State. Yes. Uh, maybe the Browns. I, I'll qualify. 49ers Whoa. or Browns. I lean 49ers. Really? Um, I have I went in really early in the season being anti-Ravens and calling Lamar a fraud. So it's too late for me to turn back now, even though they're the clear <laughs> favorites to win. I yeah, to. So they dominated. For me, I'm going to say 49ers. I'll say Purdy hits his stride again and doesn't choke like he did against the Ravens. <laughs> uh, and they finally win um i don't know russ what do you think yeah i like the 49er uh prediction i i think and again it's just totally because of my bias towards iowa state university yeah. uh brock purdy the the poster child darling of the league for a while was was uh pretty awesome even though yeah the four interceptions uh faltering that he showed uh hopefully that's out of his system um so and the Chiefs, uh, what can you say? They're just they're just falling apart here a little bit. Uh, they did look a little stronger here this last game. They they're in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, you hate, you hate to uh, count out Patrick Mahomes, but yeah, I mean, it, I saw a tweet the other day that was and like, Taylor Swift, of course. Yeah, and Taylor Swift, of yeah. course. I saw a tweet the other day that was like, uh, you're picking four teams, and you have to bet your life on it, getting the Super Bowl winner right. And I could not imagine not putting the Chiefs in that list of four, because if you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid, yeah. I think you can win. That being said, I think where the season's going to end up for them is they're going to have one playoff win and then they're going to lose. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they're a solid team yet. I don't think that they have fixed the fundamental issues. I've seen no evidence that they have. Last game was okay, but just again, yeah. like they won because they kicked 50 field goals, uh, which you can't do against a team that can actually score touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hope they win, uh, but I don't think they will. And I'd, put, I'd be happy if either Brock Purdy or Joe Flacco uh, pulled it out. I'd love to see Flacco do it at like 60 years old. Yeah, your Cleveland Brown kind of surprised me. Yeah, that, yeah. that would be, I would just kind of support that from a fundamental level, yeah. even though, and my son lives in Cleveland right now. So I, I wasn't expecting that one. Justin, where are you at? Uh, I haven't seen a single football game this year. <laughs> I'd have figured that. Was I the found case. out from you guys that <laughs> the Niners and the Chiefs are in it. Um, I grew up as a Niner fan. My my family uh, will all be rooting for the Niners. So I, I guess I'm going to have to root for the Chiefs, um, especially since <laughs> yeah. Niners now too. Oh, um, yeah, uh, okay. I will say congratulations to Brian Clark, my brother, who defeated Bob Clark, my dad, in their. Uh, fantasy league as of yesterday so brian won some money which means my mom lost a pair of boots uh, maybe my sister-in-law will get something nice so that's great that's that's all i know that happened in the football season this year is that my all brother right. beat my dad i i do think the we're all uh, i've been predicting major shakeups now with both american politics but also i think there's gonna have to be some major changes the nfl has had a lot of weird calls this year i actually think the nfl has become too hard to officiate i actually don't think the officials are bad i just think they've made a game that's impossible to officiate in a way that doesn't create tension mm, um really and they're gonna have to change that because people are like sports betting has really picked up well, yeah uh, that's and maybe that's that could be a side prediction is i actually do think we're about to see like a lot of like uh, legislation with respect to sports betting that yeah. that's another prediction i have because that's a lot of money that uh politicians there's a reason they kept it out bill. as long as they did yeah um a lot of decent reasons so. yeah yeah so i i think a lot of legislation about sports betting and i think the nfl itself is going to have to change some officiating things so that way it seems le less like the dallas cowboys are being handed victories i'm glad i i feel like the nfl did turn the corner a little bit and not having so many social objectives uh this year um they, they're still out there a little bit but it wasn't as as thick as it was before and so i would say kudos to the nfl for um sticking to the game there's been a lot of good just nfl action yeah, um, yeah. rather than being distracted with other i agree social yeah i don't think the i think the nfl is issues. actually a really strong spot right now i just think that's a problem they're gonna have to solve is the refs combined with sports betting is gonna make some people uh very unhappy i i would predict they are going to have a bigger global presence uh, next year. Once I learned their strategy of 
teams adopting areas over in Europe. So uh, it was Germany for the Chiefs. And I thought that was a very interesting strategy. And I, I bet they'll, it's not going to be huge, but I think they'll get a little more traction globally too. So, so like warlords, like the Chiefs rule Germany now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, if anybody, if anybody oh. in Germany becomes a fan of a different team, they actually have a public execution. It's uh, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like international trade. Right? It'll, 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 it'll help bring stability. The NFL will bring global peace, less war, which maybe transitions transitions us into any uh, war predictions. Are we going to get out of the Israeli uh, conflict or the uh, Ukraine Russia war? Uh, Justin, we haven't since you bowed out of football. We'll let you lead off the war talk, maybe. Well, uh, it seems like the Ukraine war has become uh, unpopular, um, and I think that's great uh, because I think that was a colossal waste of uh, money and blood. Um, and so it will be interesting, to, but you still hear people like Victoria Newland, you know, claiming that NATO needs to uh, continue expansion and that, uh, you know, we are we are right on the precipice of victory here. Uh, but these people seem, um, you know, destined and frankly incredibly good at snapping at you know calling defeats victories uh, so we went from we're about to win in ukraine we just need more money to actually we're going to stop the money uh, but we've already won uh, which was <laughs> what biden said last week i think which is an insane thing to say uh, we're we've already won because we've uh you know um destabilized russia or something which we haven't um we've you know we've we've made Putin extend himself, so so we've won. And this is an insane way to look at, at war, and it's an insane way to keep score in war, even if you want to look at it that way. Um, if yeah. anything, Russia seems stronger, um, and uh, so I I I see the Ukraine war maybe as just incrementally dialing that down. Um, I don't know what's going to happen uh, in Israel Palestine. I think that. Um, that's actually an issue that I think that the Democratic Party doesn't want to see get any bigger because it blows up their base right now. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, splits them. yeah, I have a lot of um, I know a lot of people who are very progressive and I think they really disagree with each other about mm -hmm. what is going on over there. And I think that a lot of them think that it's like it's an issue that ought to be addressed and that the other side is obviously wrong. Yeah, I have a specific Israel-Palestine uh, prediction. prediction? Wh yeah, wh which is that I think that this for the next year or so will be the new normal over there to the point where yeah. people will stop talking about it, but it will continue yeah. in a way that I actually think is unhealthy. Uh, so um, I, my sympathies on this conflict tend to be with Israel a lot more than a lot of the people that I run around with. But I do think um, it's true. Uh, ultimately, here's what, how I what I think about the conflict: uh, that Hamas bears a lot of moral responsibility for Palestinian deaths because they use body shields, right? But I also think that, like that, the fact that someone uses a license doesn't give you a complete moral license to kill as many of them uh, as you would believe would be necessary or ideal for your per perfect political solution to come about. Like you have some responsibility uh more you bear some moral responsibility in the, in you know engaging in that and so to me what i see uh is i think it's in netanyahu's best interest to continue with let basically continue leveling palestine and it has been leveled i mean you can find the the pictures out there where there once were cities there's now just piles of rubble for uh again like as far as the eye can see uh i see that as a very sad thing and a thing that's going to continue um and i hope that uh some sort of way to make it ends can be found but i, I don't think it will be uh and unfortunately long term i don't see the problem going away either because hamas is going to continue to uh, they they want something like this to happen they're happy with this result uh because what it means is they continue to have you know the control of the little fiefdom that they have uh so it's very a sad situation uh and unfortunately i think it's going to be in the best end uh, interest of Netanyahu, who I don't like very much, uh, to continue to uh, kind of indiscriminately uh, dominate, you know, people and cause problems. Uh, again, in response to some evil actions, I'm not trying to say, you know, uh, everyone always says, well, do you den denounce Hamas? Of course, I den denounce Hamas, but I, I, 
I think that uh, we're now going to have a new norm of kind of leveling of Palestine until someone, until the international community basically says, all right, it's time to stop. Uh, so I don't see things getting better there. I, I see them continuing to be bad. Yeah, when I've learned about uh, Guatemala and 30-year wars, um, <laughs> I don't think anything's going to change in 2024. In fact, a lot of these conflicts are going to continue on kind of indefinitely. There's no easy answers. So that's not much of a prediction, but uh, that that's all I would say, is that I've been surprised to learn some of the history of some of these types of conflicts and Obviously, Gaza Strip's been uh, fought over already for a number of years, but these these will be continuing conflicts, I think, easily through 2024. My long-term prediction is that Palestine, well, that the Gaza Strip ceases to be um, occupied by Palestinians. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I, I do not see a possible route to anything like a, a two-state solution at this point. Yeah. I think that we are past the point of uh, like negotiations. Yeah. I don't think there's any um, outcome that I think people could sit down at a table and, um, you know, put all their interests and divide things up in a way that both sides would accept. Um, when you are at a state like that, that's usually called war, right? Um, that's what right. war is. It's what you do when nobody will accept any negotiations anymore. Um, and so that's my long-term prediction. And my short-term prediction is the same thing that Peter said um, for the reason I said earlier, which is, uh, you know, I don't think anything's going to change. I think it's going to be kept relatively like this. I think it will get quieter because I think we will end up, we were for the next year, we are going to buy off both sides. The United States is, um, we are going to give more money to Israel um, and they're going to use that to beef up their defenses. And we're going to give a bunch more uh, money to uh, Palestine, I predict, um, to help uh, aid uh, people who are being displaced by the Israeli actions. And it's an attempt to buy off both sides so that they don't start fighting with each other. And so that this war actually doesn't get really hot before um, the elections. I could see that something like this being resolved militarily in three years. Um, or a year, uh, two years or something like that. But I don't think it's a potato that um, the powers that be want to be heated up right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think like new normal is a good way of predict, like the good way to describe the prediction is that we have hit like a new normal now, uh, which uh, again, like it, it, it's unfortunate and uh, like caused by, Ultimately, whatever happened, uh, you know, at the that music festival, what what Hamas did, I I, th I think they bit off more they could chew than they could chew with that. I think they expected the response. They wanted a response, but I think they expected a lot less. I think they're going to get an unrelenting response, uh, and unfortunately, um, the the victim is going to be mostly uh, it's Israelis as well, but mostly the Palestinians who uh, you know don't want anything to do with Hamas. Uh, even though that that's actually a smaller number than people think uh, sometimes, but um, it, it it's just unfortunate. So, all right. Well, we're getting pretty late in this podcast, but I got one other. It's not much of a prediction, but I, I do think there's going to be continued, uh, whether it's regulation through government or through other social pressures, to reduce uh, teen and kid use of social media. I, I think we reached a point with the deaths and some of the stuff that we had that previous podcast on, and now with AI learning so much about us and being able to do stuff and make predictions, um, I think that'll be a good move to to help protect kids. I already said, uh, I don't think it's going to come to my ban uh, for anybody less than 18 years of age uh, using their cell phones publicly, but I, I think the world would be a better place. I just came from uh antarctica where i spent 10 days with no wi-fi and no phone and i gotta tell you it was it was an interesting thing to do uh where you've got a ship of 72 people the the discussions and the dialogues and the relationships uh it all went to a different level like kind of old school i'm 52 uh but you know when you're having a conversation and the first thing oh let me check let me google that right we, we didn't have that and so it, it led down paths that i haven't been down in a long time and it was refreshing. And I, I think uh, the younger generation would benefit from that on top of all the negative stuff that they do. So I, I think that'll be a, a positive move. And you know, I'm anti-government regulation. So I'm not, I'm just saying there's going to be a movement that way. I'm not even saying I'm supporting how that would exactly look, but um, 
Yeah. So the uh, thriving Antarctic economy and uh, <laughs> all the youths of Antarctica, Antarctica did really well without absolutely, down there. absolutely. Just so, so I think a bull market. I think you're right about your prediction, Russ. But where I think it's bad, and where I was right in that podcast, and you and Justin were wrong, <laughs> uh, was that here's how it will happen: uh, if Trump wins, then TikTok will be regulated, and if Joe Biden wins, then uh, X will be. Uh, regulated or you know uh targeted out of existence mm -hmm. uh it'll be one of the two and i don't see like either of those things as like particularly good or valuable um i don't worry about chinese spying on tiktok i think they probably do it um just like they probably you know spy on us through other means too uh i just don't have a tiktok um but i'm not worried about our youths being corrupted by chinese influence or anything like that i, I think we do a good enough job at that at home uh, so I, I don't see uh, any sort of like positive outcome from this because it, it's just going to be weaponized regulation. So the Chinese have you exactly where they want you. I don't even use the TikTok. I just <laughs> I, I know what it is. And I know that the American education system does a fine job without TikTok. So I'm not too worried about TikTok. In fact, if TikTok distracts them from the American education system, it actually might be doing less damage. <laughs> I think we might be better off. So that's my hope. All right. as peter it's a deep fake <laughs> right that's right right all right well that looks like a good place to wrap unless anybody else got any final words great well there's our predictions laid out and we can double check next year and follow up to see who was right and who was wrong i think there was only one thing we were unanimous on and that was trump being the nominee if i remember right so all right. Well, this has been a production of the Gorton Institute here at Ottawa University. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Five-star rating helps other people find us. Otherwise, please pass this along to your friends and family that might like to listen to it. Other than that, be fruitful multiply. Thanks. <laughs>